Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I want to get an update about what's going on in our hospitals because, you know, this time of year, every year, things start to ramp up. Things start to get busy. And we know we're in a pretty pressure-filled position already. So just give us a snapshot. You're an ER doc at a couple of the major hospitals in Edmonton. You're there every day. What are you seeing? What's the current status report from ERs in Alberta? So I went to ERs in Alberta and also across all of Canada and talking to my colleagues. They are... Um, uh, much busier than expected already for this time of year. Uh, typically what we do have over the summer months, like in June to August, is a bit of a slowdown. Yeah. We did not have that this year at all. There was, there was no let up. There was no break. And that, um, that pressure has just continued to mount into, into the fall. Um, what we are seeing is, um, uh, much sicker patients. So I did actually, like in preparation for this, look at some of the numbers of what we call our acuity numbers. And so that's how sick people are when they come in. And over the last five years, that acuity number has gone up and up and up. And in particular, in this last one to two years, it's gone up dramatically. And so what that means for us in the ER is that patients are sicker, which means they're more likely to get admitted. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're more likely to get admitted, they stay in that bed for longer, which means that we can't use that bed to see people. So that concept of bed block that you and I have talked about before, we're seeing that uh, quite dramatically right now. So I was on a shift just yesterday. Yeah. And out of my 20 acute side beds that I was responsible for, 14 of them were admissions, which means that I could not use 14 of those beds. And then the other six were patients that were like waiting for things to be worked up and also possibly be admitted. So you can imagine like just giving you those numbers that what that crunch looks like because our effective space is reduced dramatically. That That is, I mean, that's what, what what's what's typical? Like, you know, I mean, I guess there is no typical day in an ER, but how out of the ordinary is it to see that level of admissions? I haven't seen that level of admissions even, even during the pandemic, before the pandemic. That That's a pretty... That's a pretty high and, and um, unprecedented uh, level of admissions, for sure. What is it? Like, I I can't tell you the number of people I know right now that are sick. They've tested. They don't have COVID, but they're sick. Uh, what's going on right now? Well, I mean, as we head into cooler weather and as we head into uh, more people spending time indoors, viruses just tend to increase. All viruses, right? All cough and cold viruses, stomach viruses. Um, people spending more face-to-face time, those numbers are going to go up, and that's typical for this season. And so we're and school being back as well. So we're seeing all of these factors contribute to an increase in respiratory virus season. And this is just the beginning, right? So this is still going to get um, worse over the next several months before it gets better. We're just at the cusp of influenza season. We're seeing our COVID numbers go up as well. And so we're going to see impacts of that as added pressure to the already existing pressure on the hospitals right now. What's causing all the pressure? I know staffing levels were a big issue. And of course, we had the stories where uh, your ERs, uh, the hospitals you work in, they were told, you know, take it one extra patient per unit more than you can handle so we can get people out of the ER. What's that like in terms of staffing levels and capacity right now? Is that still completely maxed? It's completely maxed. And every time an ask like that is made, which is pretty much every day now, it's asking people, healthcare workers who are already burnt out to do do more with less or more with the same 
And so that's kind of the situation that we're in right now. Um, we, we're trying to be as innovative as possible, trying to be as resourceful as possible, because we don't want to have any patients have a negative outcome from uh, the long wait times in the current situation. But at some point, that even that will be exhausted. Um, staffing still, I mean, lots of shortages. I mean, I saw a story earlier this week where there's like almost a thousand nursing vacancies available with AHS right now. I mean, are you still really, really short staffed? Uh, yes, we are. We are. Um, it's, there's, there's a lot of nursing turnover, and I, it's certainly understandable just given the amount of uh, burnout that there is in emergency medicine in particular. Um, so lots of turnover, lots of ongoing vacancies, which then affects bed capacity, um, essentially, right? Because if, the, if we don't have the appropriate nursing staff to care for the patients in beds, those beds don't get to be open yeah. because it's unsafe. I wanted to ask you, and you might not have the answer to this, but and if you don't, that's fine, just say so. Um, the fact that we see rural ERs closing or limiting their time that they're open and things like that, and um, the fact that we also see, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, family docs. It's really hard to get a family doc. Does, does that end up filtering down into your ERs ultimately? If they can't see a doc in a rural area and they can't find a family doc, they just go to the ER. Does that add to it? Oh, 100%. So what we've seen over the last two to three years is we've seen family doctors leave the province. We've seen patients, like more and more patients who are not able to find a family doctor. And yeah. if they don't have a family doctor that can address their issue, um, then of course the, e- the ER sees everybody, right? We, we will and we have to and we, and we should. However, if there are things that can be managed by a family doctor, of yeah. course that's ideal. The problem is that if you don't have one to see even your minor issue, then maybe you wait or maybe you come to the ER. But if you wait, then you get sicker and sicker. And when you do end up coming to the ER and needing emergency care, you're much sicker than if you had seen your family doctor, which who could have prevented it from, from happening to begin with, right? And so that, that lack of primary and preventative care is having a big impact on, on how sick people are getting when they come to the ER and just the number of people that are coming to the ER as well. Yeah, and no question about it. So I guess the final thing is here, how do we stay out of the ER for, for people who are you know trying to not add a burden to you and to and to stay healthy what can we do heading into what is always a busy time if you're not vaccinated for influenza and COVID-19 already please do that that will prevent you from uh getting sick and also having severe illness so number one get vaccinated for influenza and COVID-19 if you don't have a family doctor uh, do your best to find one Uh, oftentimes uh, if you have a family member that has a family doctor oftentimes that family doctor may be able to take you on um, call 811 first uh, because sometimes they can um, give you advice over the phone or give you a sense of whether it's something that you should go into the ER uh, for. And then, I mean, I have all these videos on Instagram that talk about yeah. um, that talk about uh, different things that I'm seeing in the ER where you might be able to manage them at home. So checking those out as well. Um, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. So come and find me there and check out those videos and maybe. Uh, it has it lines up with what you're uh, what you're wondering about, and it might be able to give you some information. Yeah, and you've gone through things like fever, all kinds of stuff. You know, just the common questions that come up that maybe you can handle this at home, and you don't have to go to the ER, which nobody wants to do. Yeah, and in particular for this season coming up, I have one already on fever. I have one on cough as well, and so those are two very common things um, in adult and pediatric patients that I see, and so uh, that may just give you some information on on. Um, when you actually do need to come to the ER. Dr. Mathani, great, great, great insight as always. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thanks for having me. That is Dr. Shazma Mathani. She's an emergency room physician at the Royal Alec in Edmonton and at the Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton. Front lines. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.